We did some research a couple of years ago on this and um, what it showed was that Australia and New Zealand have the highest amount of unused annual leave in the Western world. We were actually at Notre Dame and did a tour through Notre Dame on the day that the fire um, started, so it happened so physical aspects, but service is king in my, in my view. The days of star ratings have disappeared. People don't use them as a guide anymore. What they use is what other customers are saying. I'll meet you in the lobby podcast with your host, Jacinta Phelan. Hello and welcome to I'll Meet You in the Lobby. I'm your host, Jacinta Phelan. Today, we'll be speaking with Trent Fraser, CEO of Choice Hotels. We are recording this episode from one of their hotels here in Melbourne today, the Clarion Suites Gateway, situated here in William Street. Welcome to I'll Meet You in the Lobby, Trent, and it's lovely for you to be here with us today. Thanks for the opportunity, Jacinta. My pleasure. Trent, we would love to learn a little bit more about you. Can you share with us the Trent Fraser story and where your career started and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, my first memories of uh, hotels or hospitality probably go back to when I was six or seven years old. I was travelling with family overseas and I remember we went out for a day for an excursion somewhere and we came back to the hotel we were staying at and on my pillow were two or three gold um, coin chocolates. And for those of us who were old enough to remember those things, um, they were on my pillow. And as a young child, I was fascinated from then on about the operations and the workings of a hotel and sort of was keen to get out in the corridor and find out where I might get more of these things. But anyway, look, um, a number of years later, I'm going through school um, you know, found uh, that interest was, was still going and uh, found myself working in a hotel at the age of 16 or 17 um, doing minibars. And uh, most people may not have had that experience, but that was an interesting one. Um, so I got to learn a lot about, you know, the workings of a hotel and uh, interaction with customers and those sort of things at a very, very young age. And um, that sort of cemented in my mind that I wanted to go down the hotel pathway. So long story short, I continued that journey, did a short course of study. I grew up in Canberra, so I did my study in Canberra for a couple of years, focused on hospitality as an associate diploma. And then I uh, was fortunate enough to get a, um, a uh, trainee management um, program uh, acceptance with a group called Southern Pacific Hotels. So at the time, they were probably the largest hotel group uh, in this region, 150 hotels, I think, at the time, and had the brands Centra, Travelodge and Park Royal back then. So I found myself moving from Canberra to Sydney when I was about 19, um, which was a great learning experience. I spent two years in that hotel in Sydney learning everything from housekeeping right through to, I think I spent six months in the kitchen at the end to finish that program off. So right through all the sort of relevant management aspects of the hotel too. So from there, I really bounced around within Southern Pacific Hotels for about 15 years through various middle and senior level management opportunities through um, Brisbane, the Whitsundays, back to Melbourne and Sydney, then over into Thailand for a couple of years in a couple of resorts and then back into Melbourne again where I opened um, a hotel here in Melbourne. And I felt at that time, you know, it was time to have a look around for a bit of change. I'd been with that group for 15 years and I guess achieved what I'd wanted to achieve there, reaching the level of general manager of a large hotel. And um, Choice Hotels were just entering the country here in Australia and they were looking for somebody to start the development of their brands and the escalation of their brands. 
So I joined Choice in 2002. So I've really had two careers, you know, one from a management side of things, operation side of things with Southern Pacific Hotels, and now with Choice Hotels Asia Pack. And we are a um, pure play franchisor. So we don't really take a um, real estate or a management position in our properties. Our properties, our relationships are all pure franchise relationships. So that is supporting the owners and the operators of all of our hotels in our system. So, um, and the journey with Choice has been very interesting. I've had a number of different roles um, throughout that journey, taking on extra responsibility every few years to the point where um, I had the opportunity to um, be involved in a succession plan um, from my predecessor, the previous CEO. And we worked on that for a period of, say, two years, I think it was, leading into his retirement and my taking over the CEO's role in, uh, in 2012. So, so it's been an interesting journey. I've learned a lot. I still learn a lot. And, um, you know, I think if we think about young people today, and there's a lot of talk about millennials and what they're after in a career, our industry offers many things that they're after in terms of um, additional responsibility, quick progression and travel and those sort of things. Um, I've experienced that firsthand and I think for young people coming into this industry, it can provide them with a lot of those things that they're probably craving um, for a career, from a career today. Terrific. Can you share with our audience today what's new with the Choice Hotel brand and what are the Choice Hotel's points of difference? Sure. Um, so there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, we are in the middle of a rebrand of our Comfort Inn brand, which is our largest uh, brand here in Australia and New Zealand. We've got close to 150 comfort properties around um, around this region. So we're about to embark on a re-imaging of that of that brand, um, which we've done sort of the last sort of the last five or six years, and it's time for a refresh. And we're about to embark on that. So that's a that's a, um, a heavy investment from our side of things. We're paying for all the primary signs of each one of those hotels. And that plan's about to roll out over the next sort of six to nine months. So that's a, an exciting one, um, but, you know, a lot of work, uh, you know, from a corporate point of view. We're also about to launch a new website, new international website, which uh, launches by the end of this year. Um, and that'll provide our franchisees with significantly more functionality and adaptability than what we currently offer today. And so um, that'll be cutting edge once it's released um, and uh, we're really excited about that being launched towards the end of the year um, and that'll really serve to drive more direct business into our franchisees properties which is what they and we want collectively. Um, in terms of our points of difference, um, so when we think about the hotel landscape in this region, um, there are a number of you know, larger players like ourselves, um, so we've got just on 200 properties in this region, some 10,000 rooms um, in the network. Um, our point of difference is that we are, as I mentioned earlier, a pure franchisor. So our franchisees know that they are on the same playing field, the same level as every other hotel in our group. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any company-owned sites. We don't take you know, real estate positions. We don't take leases in any of our buildings. We are there to support and focus on making our franchisees more successful. Um, so I think it's nice for them to know, different to a lot of the other players, that we'll never compete with them uh, through opening up a hotel or having a hotel in close proximity of their businesses. And I think they like that. The other thing is that our group has five brands, um, really covering uh, all ends, all, all aspects of the market, right from the Econolodge brand at the entry level through to Comfort, um, providing a few more services, 
and distribution through to quality, which is more of a full service offering um, and sort of around that you know, four star sort of market into Clarion, which is the full service high rise type property that we sit in here today. Um, and incidentally, this hotel here today, the Clarion Suites Gateway, is our um, award-winning Clarion Hotel of the Year for 2018. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah, they've done a terrific job here and they're great supporters. Um, Tony Chuckmar and his team have been a long-time supporter of ours, been with us for 15 years and have just re-signed for another 15, which is terrific. And then at the other, at the, at the um, top end of our brand scale is a um, brand called the Ascend Collection. And that's really designed for properties that have a unique boutique or historic position in the market that really one of our you know core traditional brands doesn't really fit so they've got their own personality they might have a really good um, local following in terms of um, their property but we can add the distribution and sales and marketing and training that they might uh, otherwise need to make their business more successful so we have a spread of brands we are the only player that works with hotels on a pure franchise basis um, and also a spread of properties around Australia. We're very strong regionally, as well as having some really good CBD product as well. So I think we've got you know, two or three really strong points of difference when we talk about the competition landscape here. It's great, Trent. And I have to say, the um, and we'll get this on social media, but the actual uh, interior here today of the suite is that we're sitting in is just absolutely magnificent, beautiful colours, and it's, it's very nice. And not to mention the... Um, not to leave the view that we're looking out on here in um, over Flinders Street um, and looking out over to the South Bank area. It's absolutely beautiful. In your opinion, what are the most exciting things you can see on the horizon for the hotel industry at the moment? The most exciting thing on the horizon for our business, for our industry going forward, I believe, is the opportunity for personalisation. Um, we, as an industry, like a lot of businesses, are capturing massive amounts of data on our customers and have been for for a long time now. And there's been a lot of talk around big data and what that's going to provide and what that means. I think what that'll allow us to do going forward is to really focus in on the individual customer. Um, I think that's what you know the millennial traveller wants, and they'll be if not they're not already our biggest travelling uh, market segment in our hotels. And what's important to them is to feel special and to feel different. Um, and there's been a lot of focus and discussion around distribution and driving business into hotels. Um, I think at times we may forget the actual, the most important thing is the customer experience. So for example, um, and you know, in the social media channels now where it's pretty easy to find out informa information about your customers coming to a hotel. So for example, you know, if you were staying in a hotel that I ran tonight, um, through what I've listened to on your previous podcasts and a bit of simple research I did yesterday prior to this uh, catch-up, you know, I might have a picture in your room of a cool resort that you visited in the Maldives a few weeks ago. And just a simple note to say, hi, Jacinda, welcome to the hotel. Uh, I know that was a really special time recently for you. We hope you have a great time here at this hotel. Enjoy the next couple of days, for example. Oh, I love it. Um, so I think it's not too difficult to do that. There's probably a labour um, you know, factor there to, to build in. But I think going forward, we have enough information and access to enough information about our customers to provide a bit more personalisation than what we do today. Um, so that would be something that I think is really exciting, um, probably you know, challenging to execute, but I think it's probably not too far away. Mm, sounds fantastic. Um, now, in your, in your travels, um, who do you think is doing it well in the travel and tourism space at the moment? 
Yeah, I might go a little bit, you know, left field here. I think, I think Australia is doing it really well. I think uh, Australian tourism is doing it really well. Uh, I think, you know, as a population, we've always been very good at packing up and travelling overseas and going into the, you know, um, our, to our Asian neighbours for short breaks and things. But I think uh, we have a number of really amazing tourism assets here um, in this country, and they're not too far away from most of the capital cities. And indeed, if you're in some of the regional markets, you might be right in the front doorstep of some of those, or the cities aren't too far away from, from those regional centres. So I think that um, there's a lot of uh, undiscovered parts of this country that, um, that have some amazing experiences to offer. Um, you could just start with the food and wine experiences. You know, within two hours of every capital city, there are amazing food and wine experiences to be, to be found. And I don't know how many of us have experienced that. Um, uh, and we would encourage, you know, people to go out and see more of this country because I think we're doing a pretty good job. Um, and these are not extended holidays people need. These are an extra day over a weekend or a long weekend. We're talking two, three, four days. And I don't think as Australians we do enough of that. We, we tend to bank up our leave and take it on a much longer journey overseas. Um, we did some research a couple of years ago on this and um, what it showed was that Australia and New Zealand have the highest amount of unused annual leave in the Western world. Is that right? Um, so we're not taking holidays because generally what happens is you might leave a job and that leave gets paid out and you go and reset in a new, in a new role somewhere. And so we're encouraging people to look at options to do that. Uh, and coincidentally, when you look at the mental health challenges of countries across the world, Australia and New Zealand... Uh, I think one and two on the chart of issues per capita in terms of mental health. So, you know, it's probably not going to, um, it's not a solution for that, but there's a link there somewhere. So I think the message that I'm um, saying here is that, you know, go and discover and have a look at some of those local attractions and local experiences that probably aren't too far from where from where people live today. Exactly. No, you're right. We're, we've got a diverse country, that's for sure. In your position as the CEO of Choice, Trent, um, who are the people uh, you have fostered good relationships with over this time? Jacinda, yeah, for me, um, I decided a number of years ago after taking over in this role or taking this role on that I needed a group of people um, outside of my business to share ideas, um, share initiatives, discuss challenges and those sort of things that I could do with openly um, without any fear or any you know, worries about judgment. So um, I've been able to develop, I guess, what you'd call like a personal board of directors that I um, call on from time to time. It's a cup of coffee or a quick bite to eat over lunch or a phone call. Um, and I've got four or five of those people that are outside of the industry I'm in, but have been in business um, in, in other uh, industries. So I find it interesting to talk to them about some of the challenges and nuances that we have um, and some of the thoughts that are going through my head because they can give quite a different perspective. I think in any business, especially in hotels, when you've been in the industry as long as I have, we can, at times, the risk has become very closed and narrow in our thinking. So it's good for me to share um, and have those conversations with those people because quite often I'll get a different, a different perspective. Now, you know, they're from the pharmaceutical industry, they're from the, um, you know, um, retail industry um, and areas like that. 
um, that um, fast-moving consumer goods, you know, those sort of areas that are very different mm-hmm. to what we do, but probably have the same principles at the end of the day from a um, from a commercial, from a business point of view. So I find that really valuable, and uh, you know, hopefully they learn a bit from me and get a bit off me as well. But um, you know, another thing I remember being told years ago is just make sure you know you well, you're the average of the sort of five or six people you hang around with. So I've tried to make sure that those five or six people are a lot smarter and a lot more senior than what I am so I can use that as a learning opportunity. That's terrific. It's important in business, I agree with with that. It just especially when you are dealing with people in other industries, they just it's terrific just to have conversations with them and they'll just trigger something sometimes that will, you know, give you give you a whole another perspective on on your own business. So True. no, totally agree with that. Um, now, tell me about a project or an accomplishment that you consider to be the most significant in your career so far. Uh, for me, it would be Kids Undercover and our relationship with our charity partner. Um, we found Kids Undercover five or six years ago. Uh, what we really liked, what I liked about them was that um, our contributions, our cash contributions from a corporate point of view, but also from our franchisees, uh, could be deployed uh, in a way that we could see the physical outcome of those contributions. So Kids Undercover, a charity that worked towards solving the challenge and the huge issue we have with um, youth homelessness. So they develop uh, a program where they identify families that are at risk for one reason or another, and they are able to go and um, consult with those families and provide alternative accommodation for young people that might be in that that home uh, where they get their own space for a one or two bedroom studio unit but importantly built on the land of that family unit so they get their own space um, their own area they might be studying the typically teenage children Uh, and we've been able to play a role there because um, through the generosity of our franchisees during National Homeless Persons Week every year in August we ask our hotels for a two dollar contribution from each room that they've sold during that week. Um, we invest some dollars from a corporate point of view and each year we've been able to raise $50,000 which has gone towards the build of a studio in the backyard of a family in need here in Melbourne. So, that's um, that's And why we love that is because not only can we see that come to life and meet the family and know we've made a difference but the magic of it is that we can get our team involved in that build. Now, don't get me wrong, none of us are particularly skilled tradespeople, but um, we're very good labourers and we rely on the uh, the folks that they bring to site who have specialised um, skills. We follow them around and do all the hard lifting and the labour for them. Um, so not only do we get to see it, but each one of our team has been through that process multiple times and I guess they can see how we're giving back and making a difference to a family in need. So that's probably been one of the most important accomplishments for our business's point of view, from my point of view, and I think from the team's point of view as well. So. Yeah, what a, what a great initiative. It's fantastic. Uh, now, my favourite question is, what inspires you? Yeah, look, what inspires me uh, is um, I was fortunate enough to have leaders that I worked for that gave opportunities to me probably at times sooner than what I was ready for. So, um, so, and I enjoy replicating that and seeing that come to life as well. I enjoy identifying talent within our group, bringing new talent in and seeing those people evolve, take on extra responsibilities and, you know, knock it out of the park. I, I love 
the enjoyment of seeing people being developed. And hopefully they're staying with us and taking on greater responsibilities. Um, and if not, they're going on to take on greater responsibilities um, elsewhere. And I think that's, you know, the main role that I play in putting this team together and developing our team is to making sure that we're finding additional responsibilities, delegating more responsibilities to our team. And I find it really interesting how people react. And, you know, at times people, you know, will surprise you with how well they pick these things up and progress. So. So I enjoy that. Um, look, I've got a family of uh, three daughters um, as well, so they provide constant feedback and inspiration <laughs> to me, you might say, on a daily basis as well. Um, so that's an important part of that too, to be a role model for them and you know, show them um, you know, uh, what's expected and, uh, and, um, you know, and how we go about things. So that's probably the two things, family and then um, you know, the, uh, the team that we've got within the business. So. Um, yeah, trying to keep up with the team in the business too is a challenge because we've got some really good people and uh, they keep me on my toes and I've got to be, you know, make sure that I'm, you know, prepared and sharp every day I go in the office because they are, so. Fantastic. Okay, now, if we were sitting here a year from now celebrating what a great year it's been for you in this role, what is it that you have achieved? Well, what would be a great year a year from now is that St Kilda Football Club has won the Premiership. <laughs> That's looking unlikely at the moment, but we can always hope. Um, but outside of that, uh, look, at, we, we've got a, a big launch, as I mentioned earlier, of our um, international website, the new website coming at the end of the year. So that's going to be, you know, I think a game changer for us, for our business, for our franchisees. Um, we're certainly in a growth cycle, so, you know, we would love to have another 50 units within our system, you know, a year from now. We've got quite an ambitious and aggressive strategy towards that. And we're about to push seriously into Asia. So we're about to employ an individual in, our, in a Singapore office we're going to set up. We've just signed a management agreement with a group out of Bangkok who are going to be able to run hotels for us in that Asian market. Uh, we've got a great partner in China who's developing hotels as we speak. And we've got a couple of irons, other irons in the fire over there in Asia. So I'd like to think that we are much more established and developed in Asia than where we are today in a year's time. And certainly pushing a number of new hotels through the, the pipeline here domestically. Uh, and importantly, we're continuing to increase our contribution, our direct contribution, into our existing portfolio here in Australia and New Zealand. Oh, that's exciting. That's terrific. Um, now, who is your role model and why? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, I, I think I don't, and I haven't really had a role model that I can point to directly, but what I have had, as I mentioned earlier, is a number of people I've worked for over the years that... Um, have done a number of different things really, really well. And so I've tried to pick out those positives from each of those people and try to apply them in, in what I do. Um, difficult to get close to a number of them because I think there were some really high achievers in there in particular areas, but really tried to pick out the best and try and bring that in and develop my skill set um, accordingly. Um, and one of those people, you know, said to me a long time ago, you know, um, your default answer, if you're asked to take on more responsibility or to participate in something, should always be yes, and then figure it out how you're going to do it later. Because mm -hmm. um, that's where the magic happens, outside of your comfort zone. And I think, so that's an example of what I've taken from that individual. Um, so there's probably four or five people that I've respected and regarded very highly 
Um, and I've taken their strengths out to try and develop that into, you know, um, what I do today. Now, what has been the mo- I always ask this question um, in all my interviews because it's, it's something that we don't think about a lot when we travel, but what has been the most emotional experience for you when you, when you have been away on a holiday or a work holiday that took you by surprise? Yeah, look, I could tell you about the one where I was flying over to New Zealand and watched the movie Lion a couple of years ago yeah. and did get emotional. And, um, but that was, that's probably going to be more embarrassing. But I'll tell you what, there was a, there was a recent one, a more recent one, which was uh, a little bit more sombre, I suppose, and caused you know, a bit of reflection. We were fortunate enough to be uh, travelling in Europe uh, last month. Um, our European office had a convention over in Amsterdam and my wife and I were able to take a week's holiday afterwards in Paris and we were actually at Notre Dame and did a tour through Notre Dame on the day that the fire um, started. So it happened. Right? So oh. we went through there late in the afternoon. Um, uh, there was a mass being held that night. We walked across the road, found a restaurant, um, started um, you know, having dinner and it was sort of 6, 6.30 and we got messages you know, through our friends back home here in Australia um, asking us if we were around the city area because there was this fire and we went outside and um, you know, couldn't believe what, what we were seeing and I guess you know, we didn't quite appreciate the impact that night but certainly the next few days when we were in town um, really had a profound impact on the Parisians because you know, we didn't really appreciate how important that was mm-hmm. To their to their population, but um, yeah, so very sad. Um, so much history there, and um, such a tragedy. And we were, you know, I guess, unfortunate to be, you know, very close by when that when that happened. So um, so that's probably something more recent. And uh, yeah, and I guess you know, made us sort of reflective over that the sort of next two or three days whilst we were um, still in the city. so and, yeah. and that had been your first time there, to Notre uh, Dame? Or was yes, it was, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to walking through. We'd been past it on a previous visit but didn't go inside, but coincidentally that was the day we um, chose to be there. So, um, wow. yeah. That's incredible. Now, Trent, in relation to the hotel sector, what, what are your thoughts on what the industry does well? So... I think there's a lot of things that we do very, very well. I think, uh, you know, if you look at the cities and the investment that the hotel owners, hotel industry makes in infrastructure in our cities, um, there's significant capital being deployed in markets all around the country. So I think they're a big, we're a massive employer. We're a big driver of jobs through development and construction, etc. So there's a lot of really good things that we do. And I think we've built up our credibility as an industry over many years. We're a good corporate citizen. We do all the right things. We take all the relevant precautions and the right measures to develop our hotels um, to an international standard. Um, A challenge we currently have with that is um, some of the, um, you know, in the sharing economy um, who don't have to follow the same regulatory requirements in providing accommodation for travellers. So that's a that's an industry challenge. You know, um, we just want to have everybody in the same playing field from that side of things. So if we park that outside of that, uh, I think hotels are becoming, and our industry is becoming very much more tech savvy than what we ever have. Um, and we've just had to, 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 um, to keep up with the competition. So um, we're very clever now at 
um, capturing our guests and trying to bring those guests through to our properties in the most direct fashion possible. The biggest impact to owners today is the online travel agencies uh, because they are driving high levels of customers into hotels but at a 15 to 20% commission cost. So that's a real big challenge for hoteliers today. So we are, like every other business I'm sure, working very hard to get people coming through to our hotels more direct. That means a better bottom line for our, for our owners. Now that all being said, I touched on this a moment ago, uh, at times I think there's been a greater focus on the distribution challenges and we haven't kept up the same focus and the same attention on what's ultimately important, which is how the customer enjoys their stay. So we're putting all this effort into driving business into hotels. And my fear is at times we are not loving those customers when they're with us so they don't think about going anywhere else next time they come back to us. Um, And that's the challenge I think that we have today. So I mentioned personalization, that's one aspect but it's really focusing on service at a hotel level and making sure those guests have the best possible stay they can possibly have whilst, whilst they are there. Um, you know, it costs so much more to find new customers for your property than what it does to keep the existing clients coming back once you've got them. So, um, so I think that's something that collectively we can improve on. I think we're doing an okay job, but I think uh, collectively we can improve on that. My belief is is that customers will forgive some shortcomings on the physical product of a property if they are being loved to death by the staff and service when they get to the hotel. Um, So that's not to say we should excuse those physical aspects, but service is king in in my view. The days of star ratings have disappeared. People don't use them as a guide anymore. What they use is what other customers are saying. And that's the biggest driver. Uh, We know in our top, in our portfolio, our top 50 hotels um, have ratings of, you know, 8.8 to 9.8 out of 10 for what their customers are saying about their hotel in terms of likelihood to recommend. Um, And that generates, you know, significant direct business because that's, you know, that's clear and uh, unbiased feedback from, from, um, from guests that have stayed there already. So that, that's the focus for us. Um, our annual awards that we give out every year for our best hotels, um, like this property one uh, last year, are all focused now around customer feedback and likelihood to recommend scores because mm-hmm. that's what's going to make property successful at the end of the day, in my belief. Finally, we have got your last question for you, Trent, and we want to know, um, because you travel a lot, where are you off to on your next holiday coming up? Um, so, uh, look, I'm a golf tragic and I'm uh, <laughs> a member of a golf club here in Melbourne, for, have been for some years, and um, somebody came up with a wild idea about a year ago to match up a golf trip to Japan oh. whilst the World Cup is on, the Rugby Union World Cup, in October. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Canberra, so rugby union for me was kind of my default sport as a kid growing up. Um, so we've got two Englishmen, we've got a couple of local chaps, I think we've got a South African in the mix. So we might have a bit of, you know, all nations there turning up, but there's half a dozen of us going and we're going to play um, five or six of the top golf courses in Japan. 
and um, catch up and see uh, quarterfinal and two semifinals of the World Cup in October. So I've never been to Japan before, but anybody I've met and spoken to that's been there has loved it. So we're looking forward to that um, trip. So that's a sort of a 10-day tour over there in October, which I'm looking forward to, not far away. You'll probably inspire some of our listeners now listening to that too. Perhaps. Yeah, terrific. Thank you, Trent, for taking the time out today to spend with me and giving our audience an insight to Choice Hotels and getting to know you. Um, Well, that wraps up the show for today, and I would like to thank our listeners. I'm Jacinta Phelan. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to meeting you in the lobby next time. I'll Meet You in the Lobby is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one experts in measuring and improving sales and customer service for its clients. Contact Simon on 0407 002 113 or shoot Simon an email at simon.blair at 5degrees.com.au and find out how you can improve your customer experience.